Reformed Church. We were talking about, though, how, I'll even switch this around here. Uh, this is the head of the temple. We already established that. It has a, a veil here, and then these two cherubim are the two eyes of the cherubim, or excuse me, the two eyes of the temple. And the, specifically, there was the law, right, contained in the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible specifically, in Deuteronomy 6 and in many other places, in Deuteronomy and elsewhere in the Bible, uh, the law, we learned, could be referring to a few things. When the Bible says the law, it could be referring to the Old Testament law, specifically, or the New Testament law, which is the gospel, which only requires faith. It could also be referring to some other things, too. Sometimes the first five books of the Bible are referred to as the law. If you read Galatians also, for instance, chapter, I think it's chapter 4, uh, Paul says, you who desire to be under the law, do you hear the law? And then he quotes Genesis. So he says Genesis is the law. That shows you also the law could be talking about the first five books also. So, but in particular, the law that we were showing that is in between the eyes of the temple here is specifically talking about the new covenant law. We went over that last time, uh, symbolically. In reality, it was the Ten Commandments in there, but we know uh, that those, the old covenant law here is symbolic of the new covenant law. Uh, Again, a lot of information last time. So you have the, the temple with the law between her eyes. That is actually where the Bible says to keep his word, to keep his law, to keep the gospel between your eyes. In, in, in uh, specific, really, Deuteronomy is where you see a lot of that, keeping the law between your eyes. Deuteronomy 6 is where he actually prophesies of the new covenant law, which is to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, uh, mind, strength. That's the new covenant law, which the Bible actually defines that in 1 John as meaning faith. You may not agree with that or see that right now, but that's actually how 1 John defines that commandment. So in Deuteronomy, when he's talking about the new covenant law of just put faith in Jesus, he's talking about the gospel. He specifically says to keep it between your eyes, which is what you see the temple is doing as a symbol of how we should conduct ourselves. What does it mean for the law to be between your eyes? Well, our eyes are just symbols of our understanding. So to keep something between your eyes would mean to keep it in the midst of your heart in the midst of your understanding, in the middle of your, of your mind, okay? And that's exactly what you see here. She's got a veil because she doesn't see everything of what she has on the inside of her, but she has these olive tree cherubim eyes. Those cherubim are made out of olive wood, showing clarity in her eyes. She's learning, and you know she's not a blind temple because she already has the law between her eyes. So she has the word of God in her mind already. Not to mention the, the, the material of the cherubim are made of olive wood, showing clarity if you look at our glossary. So there's all of that. She doesn't see everything right now. But it's important. Let's, let's continue with that thought, though. She's got the law between her eyes. Another characteristic in Deuteronomy about the new covenant law is in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5, verse 32. I'm going to read from the New King James Version here just for a little bit. Deuteronomy 5.32. And uh, it says here, Therefore, you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. This is very important, okay? Very important terminology. I have not seen this anywhere. I've done searches through the Bible to, to, to verify this. I have not seen that term about not turning to the right or to the left used ever for the Old Testament law. Only for the New Testament law. And you may say, well, the Deuteronomy is the Old Testament law, but you'd be mistaken there, actually. It is a prophecy of the New Testament law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength was never said at Mount Sinai, not one time. It's only said in Deuteronomy 40 years later when they were in the plains of Moab, 
we have the obedience of faith article that will bring you through that entire thing. Okay, so this is a prophecy of the new covenant law. That's why Jesus, when he said, what's the greatest commandment? He didn't quote the Old Testament one. He quoted the greatest one is the New Testament one, which is love Lord your God with your heart. A commandment never spoken at Mount Sinai. Okay, very important. But with this said, don't turn from the right or to the left is something that I believe is fully unique in that term to the New Testament law, to the gospel. Don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left. For instance, this is why in Joshua, I believe it's Joshua 1, verse 7. You could throw that up there behind me. Uh, God tells Joshua to meditate on my law. But again, when he says law, you have to look for context clues there to know. Obviously, the Lord will show you that as to what law he's talking about. You know, because when the Bible just says law, you don't know right off the bat. When he speaks to Joshua, though, he actually says, uh, you'll notice halfway through, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left regarding this law that Moses, my servant, commanded. Well, Moses commanded two different kinds of laws. He did one at Mount Sinai, which he gave to the people on, on tablets, and also all the things that were spoken after. But then 40 years later, God gave him this other thing, and uh, God gave the people this other commandment. So you know he's talking about the New Testament law here, which is why when you keep this one, you're going to prosper wherever you go. If you try to keep the Old Testament commandments, you're going to be cursed, is basically the way that it was, Okay. You'll never prosper by trying to meditate on the Old Testament law as it, as, it, uh, as it is on the surface about your works. The reason why you're going to prosper is because you know this is talking about the, Old Testament, the, sorry, the New Testament law because it says do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, which is terminology specifically used for in Deuteronomy and also regarding the gospel, the New Covenant law. So take those two things now. We've got two characteristics. One, which we talked about last week, for those listening online that didn't hear last week, you can look at Deuteronomy 6, 8, and uh, that will show you that he goes on to say to also keep it between your eyes. Okay? So you've got these two characteristics about the, the gospel. Keep it between your eyes, which is what you see the temple doing right there with the law between her eyes. Uh, but also, don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left. What does that mean? Obviously, what he's talking about is not getting distracted from the thing that God has put in the midst of your heart. God will speak things to you regarding Jesus. He will show you... Uh, you know, uh, things that you don't now know. He'll reveal those things to you about who you are in Christ, what you have to expect in your life. And he says, keep that in the middle of your heart. That's what keep it between your eyes is. Keep it in the middle of your eyes. Uh, keep it there and don't turn from it to the right or to the left. Don't be distracted on your course to seeing a manifestation. Don't be distracted in your course to seeing everything that God has planned for your life that Jesus provided 2,000 years ago. Don't be distracted by that, turning to the right hand or to the left, but keep it right in the middle of your heart. Don't keep it in the back of your mind. Keep it right in the middle of your heart, in the center of your thinking. Let Jesus and who he is be, be, be uh, guarded right in the middle of your heart, and don't turn from that. That's, those are characteristics of what Deuteronomy says on how to treat his words specifically the gospel, and we know, right, the gospel of what Jesus has done. Two characteristics. So, again, before we go further, between your eyes, and don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Just two I'm just pulling out of Deuteronomy here, okay? Uh, there are more verses, if you're interested, of those characteristics. Deuteronomy 11, 18, Exodus 13, 9, Deuteronomy 28, 14, and then Joshua 1, 7, which I just read to you. So let, let's move on from that, though. Why doesn't God want, you can throw up uh, Colossians 2, 8, why doesn't God want us to turn to the right hand or to the left from the gospel that he's put in the middle of our heart? Why doesn't God want his temple, which is us, to turn right or left, start looking elsewhere? 
He just wants you to pay attention. That's why the two cherubim are facing inward. We verify that from Scripture, that these two cherubim are actually looking inward at the law, at the gospel that's in the middle of its heart, right? We did all that last week. Now, uh, why is it that God doesn't want the temple, though, to look anywhere else and just keep that right in the middle of its, of its heart? Because of what Colossians 2.8 says. It says, beware, lest anyone cheat you. The word cheat there actually means spoil, like in war, like if uh, one army spoils another army. Uh, some translations even say rob. Uh, it's probably all in the vicinity, in the correct vicinity, but not that anyone can actually rob your inheritance as a believer, but someone could, I guess it would be accurate to say rob you of fruitfulness, right? Keep you from fruitfulness, of manifesting that, sure. Then how is it that someone keeps you or cheats you of the fruitfulness that you can see in your life? It says through philosophy, ways of thinking, empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Ultimately, he talks about different ways of thinking and deceit, but he sums it all up by saying, you know how people cheat you? By speaking things to you that are not according to Christ. Uh, people have asked before, what's the most dangerous doctrine in the world? And if I were to ask you that, don't, don't say it out loud. Think to yourself, what do you think is the most dangerous doctrine in the world today? The most dangerous do- doctrine, maybe even in the church today. What, what, what would you think? If I gave you a second to think about that. The worst doctrine, the, the, the most dangerous one. Um, the truth is, uh, there is not one particular doctrine as far as what he like, named here, the tradition of men. Because if you were to say, oh, people's tradition, right, you might think that. Uh, we even talk about that here sometimes, right? That we choose the truth of Jesus over tradition, right? Uh, it, oh, it would be the tradition of men, Pastor Mike. It would be you know, the sovereignty of God, that false sovereignty of God message you know, where God controls everything. It would be you know, anything that's not of grace, Pastor Mike. No, it, it, actually all those things, it wouldn't be any of those things. It's just anything that's not according to Christ. Jesus is the only way to receive from God. Anything that sways your mind from that is equally dangerous because there's only one way to live, and that would be Jesus, right? He said he's the only way. So just because, you know, you talk about God, for instance, but you don't talk about Jesus, you just talk about God and God's plan and positive thinking or something like that, just because it sounds better doesn't mean it's not going to kill people any less, right? Uh, Just because, you know, someone over here is talking about doom and gloom and judgment doesn't make that more dangerous than the positive thinking over here that leaves Jesus out. It's all equally dangerous because there's only one way to live. That's Jesus, right? And so that's why God doesn't want you to turn to the right hand or to the left, because the gospel of his son, he wants that kept in between your eyes. And remember, I just gave you a quick preview that Deuteronomy is, in fact, referring to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's where it says to keep it in the midst of your heart. So anything that turns your heart this way, that way, up ways, down ways, whatever it is, right? Uh, any direction in which you turn your mind, specifically Deuteronomy terming it as right hand or to the left, is going to cheat you of what God has for you uh, because it's about Jesus. That's the only doctrine that can cause you to receive from God is learning about what Jesus did for you. Not what you can do for Jesus because even people might think they're teaching Jesus and they're teaching Jesus an example that we need to live up to. Well, that's, that's, that's just the same as the law then. It's another standard to live up to. Uh, and don't get me wrong, Jesus was a great example. He was a great example. The Bible talks about that. Uh, and he's, he's a great example for the Holy Spirit to produce similar fruit in certain ways to when he walked the earth, although not exactly the same for certain biblical reasons. But with that said, though, uh, it's, it would just be another standard to live up to if we were teaching Jesus that way. It's about what Jesus did for you, learning that. That's the only way you can receive. So whenever you look to the right or hand or to the left, uh, 
from what Jesus did for you at the cross, it's cheating you. That's why God wants his temple focused on the gospel only. And just don't get distracted by anything else. God has spoken things to us here at this church. God has told us things about who we are and what we have to expect in our life based on everything that Jesus provided at the cross. Do not be distracted from those things for, for any purpose whatsoever. Keep those things, not on the, in the back of your mind. Involve those thoughts in everything that goes on in your mind. Put everything in context of that. That's keeping in the middle of your heart. Keep it right in the middle, right in between your eyes. Um, in particular, John 10, 7, I'm, I'm almost wrapping this particular segment up. Just give me a few more minutes on this. John 10, verse 7, also New King James Version. Jesus says something very similar. Before, remember, he said that anytime you, 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 you receive words that are not according to Christ, uh, Deuteronomy would term it as turning to the right hand or to the left. You're being cheated. You're being robbed of that fruitfulness you could be seeing in your life. Well, Jesus says something very similar in John 10, and he says, Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. That means he's the only way to receive from God. And if Jesus is the only way to receive from God, what do you think is going to happen if you start hearing stuff that's not according to Christ, not according to your only way to receive from God? Well, you're not going to receive from God, right? Even if it's really positive, even if, if, even if they say, like, grace a lot, if it's not according to Christ, if it's not based on Jesus, if it's not Jesus teaching, if it's not based on the cross and what he's done, if it's, if it's detracting the attention from him and on anything, positive sounding or negative sounding, right or left, doesn't matter which, which extreme you're on, it needs to be centered on Jesus. Uh, and when you don't do that, if Jesus is the only way to receive from God, as he says right here, I'm the door of the sheep, what's going to happen? Well, Colossians said you're going to get cheated. Here in verse 8, he says, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. So he actually terms people. This is a whole very, very jam-packed parable here. So I'm not going to give you the context of the parable. But basically what he's saying here is that when you listen to anybody else apart from Jesus, uh, you're being robbed is what he's saying here. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. If I were to explain the whole parable in context, which I do in the Chase Me series, what he's saying here is that when, when, you, when, you, when you listen to other people that are not showing you Jesus, that are not leading you to see Jesus, you're being robbed, you're, you're, you're exposing yourself to a thief. Uh, it doesn't matter right or left, that's what's happening, okay? Uh, so with, with all that said, the, the really interesting thing about all this stuff that we've, we've just been talking about, about keeping this thing in the midst of your heart, don't turn right or left, anything that's not according to Christ is, is you know, a thief and a robber, that whole thing. The interesting thing, though, about this, if you look at, at uh, John 19, 17. John 19, 17. Um, this is the Jesus' crucifixion. And actually, when Jesus was crucified, God painted this picture of everything I just told you. God painted this picture at Calvary uh, to, to show us who should be at the center of our heart and what not to do. As we've just been saying, don't turn to the right or to the left. You see here, Jesus was actually crucified. There's different symbolic voices that things have in the Bible, but this is just one I'm pointing out. Is that he bearing his cross, Jesus bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is in Hebrew called uh, Golgotha. So Golgotha just means place of a, a skull. All right, so, so he's, he's crucified in this skull place. And then he says, where they crucified him in verse 18, and two others with him, one 
on either side and Jesus in the center. Jesus in the center of the skull. You, can, you, can you see that picture already? Jesus in the center of the skull, right? We, we know, right, the gospel that's kept right in the center of this person's skull right here because this is the skull of the temple. The gospel that's kept right in the center of that skull, we know, we, we verified this last week and I just gave you a little preview now, that gospel is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the message of the cross that that's talking about. That's not talking about the Old Testament law. That's talking about the New Testament gospel. That's what that's symbolizing here. And go to Mark 15, 27. So Jesus is right, kept right in the center of the place of the skull. And you already can start seeing similarities to everything I just taught on a second ago. Mark 15, 27, though, specifically says about those that were crucified on his right and his left. Look, it says, with him, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. So lit literally, the, the scene of the cross is a skull with Jesus kept in the center. And on the right and on the left is a thief and a robber. And you can literally see just from that picture painted there, combined with all the verses I was just giving you about how God tells us to treat the New Testament law, his gospel, about Jesus. That God wants his gospel, which is his crucifixion. That is, the gospel is called the message of the cross in 1 Corinthians. He wants you to keep Christ and him crucified, all that he was providing you, everything he did for you. The cross is not you serving God, right? The cross is Jesus serving you. Now, you don't have to like that. That can make you uncomfortable, but that's the gospel. Jesus serving you is the gospel. You weren't doing anything for God at the cross, and if the gospel is called the message of the cross, that means the message about what Jesus did for you, because the cross is his serving you, not you serving him. The Old Testament law is you serving him, which that, that's why that didn't work out. The New Testament law... The gospel is about what Jesus did for you. Christ him crucified. And you can see painted there, God wants you to keep Christ him crucified at the center of your skull, which literally, this is the skull of the temple, as we've been learning for weeks. God wants you to keep Christ him crucified in the center of your skull. Everything Jesus did for you, every, every problem he fixed for you, all the things he rectified for you, all the things he did for you that you couldn't do for him, all, all that service, he wants you to keep that in the center of your skull. And why doesn't he want his temple to turn to the right hand or to the left? Because that was a mandate, right, in Deuteronomy as to how to treat the law. Don't turn to the right hand or to the left. Well, we said from Colossians, when you turn to anything that's not Christ and crucified, it cheats you. Jesus said when you follow after or you, you, you listen to any voice of a stranger apart from him, it, you're being robbed. It's a thief and a robber. And literally at the crucifixion, you see Jesus being kept in the center as he should be, as we endeavor to do at this church by the Spirit of God, to keep Jesus in the center of everybody's skull, to keep him and what he's done for people at the center of attention, and we don't want to turn to anyone else's voice, to any other message, to any other form of doctrine, because if you turn to the left, it's a thief. You turn to the right, it's a robber. You're being cheated. You're being spoiled. You're being robbed. Any direction you turn in your heart besides Jesus Christ and him crucified and what he did for you. I taught a master a long time ago called Skull and Cross, instead of like Skull and Crossbones, Skull and Cross, but because the crucifixion is uh, a, a sort of summary of all the verse I even just read to you and a lot more on how we ought to handle the gospel. So it's a good encouragement to continue to stay focused on what God has taught you about Jesus, what he's provided, and what you have to expect in your life. Uh, and don't get distracted with anything else because God doesn't want you to be cheated out of the fruitfulness that you are inevitably on your way to as long as Jesus is kept in the center. You are inevitably on your way setting yourself up for fruitfulness, but 
people are out to rob you of the fruit that you can see by taking your eyes off of Jesus. So just don't let that happen, and you just continue to acknowledge the Lord and keep Jesus in the center. A uh, lot of great stuff there. So this, this really does fill in the gaps of what we talked about last time about keeping the law in the center. I was trying to prove the point to you actually last week that this law was referring to the message of Jesus. This sort of just solidifies that even a little bit more uh, because you literally see a Golgotha right there, a place of a skull with Jesus being kept in the center. Right? That's, that's an amazing, awesome thing that you see with this temple in the way that it's just like resting with the work by the Spirit and just the only thing God wants it to do is to keep what Jesus did for it in the center of its heart. That's just so awesome. We hope you enjoyed this message from Reform Church. If you have, please share this with someone else and help us get this uncommon truth out to the world. If you'd like to support this good news, you can do so at reformchurch.com give. Also on our website, you can take advantage of our free messages, articles, and even full discipleship courses. Start reforming your mind now at reformchurch.com.